Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 338 of Coach Show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alloys Rosario. Welcome, Alloys. Oh, thank you, Jeffrey, and uh, yes, welcome to all the listeners out there. Hope you are having a great time. Hopefully, some of you are getting back to playing some table tennis. Wouldn't um, that be good? Yeah, that would be good. That would be lovely. Indeed. And and we're having a few restrictions lifted here in Victoria, Australia. Some kids might be going back to school on Monday. Bit of a yes. change after months of homeschooling. Yes, and you being a teacher, you know all about it. Indeed. I think a lot of parents are quite happy about their kids going back to school. I'm sure they are. <laughs> Had enough of, you know, they love their kids, of course, but... You know, They're just around. thinking about their education. That's right. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Oh, dear. I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, Alois. I was, why, I was just, why is that? Oh, no, I stayed up all night wondering where the sun had gone, and then it dawned on me. Mildly funny. <laughs> oh, dear. And yeah, I had this question asked to me the other day, Alois. Yes. It's how many apples grow on a tree? All of them. Yes. <laughs> ah, see? Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. You were like a model student. <laughs> ah, you must have been good in school. Uh, there you go. See, you would have liked me in your, uh, I don't know what class. Your uh, is it, logic is it a maths class? class? Mm, logic know. class? Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Biology. <laughs> Biology. Uh, yeah. Very good. Now, Alois, yes. what happened on this day? Well, that's a good question. That's why I asked it. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> well, Jeffrey, yes. Well, not today, but the 6th of October was Jeffrey Plum's birthday. So uh, a big happy birthday to Jeff. And, uh, and uh, yes, a big celebration. I think he was 70 uh, on uh, on t- on uh, Wednesday, Tuesday. So uh, happy birthday, Jeff. And also your wedding anniversary on the 7th. So, you know, what a, what a special time of the year. Absolutely. Yeah, October. So, uh, love it. That's right. uh, October. Love it. And you did say, mention um, a couple of weeks ago on this show that the only reason you got married on the 7th was so you could remember it because it's the day after your birthday. Is that right? And uh, <laughs> and maybe can, can we get your wife in and uh, and get her comments on it, perhaps? It's confirmed. <laughs> oh, oh, it's confirmed. It's confirmed. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> very good excellent yeah, so happy birthday jeff and oh, thank uh, you very much from all the, from all the ping skillers absolutely thank you appreciate it yes yeah, just so, young 70 not yeah, quite yeah, not, 70 Gee, not real 70 yeah, that's right <laughs> oh, dear. So how many how many are, how many are you jeff 46 46 46 years old there you go Yes, indeed. My goodness. And I think the the big uh, 2-0 as far as your wedding anniversary as well. I know, 20 years. Yeah, how did she do it? That's the big question. <laughs> that might that might be the ask the coach question of the of the day. I think so. Exactly. 
How is it possible? <laughs> um, and we celebrated in style. Um, Did you? Excellent. Yeah, yeah. My wife Mel ordered some food in from a fancy restaurant. Wow. Deliver the food in, and uh, you know, we, she set up a nice um, setting in the ta- in the dining room with a fancy tablecloth and some oh. candles. And then um, the restaurant even gave us like a playlist to give. It was like some Middle Eastern food to give us Middle Eastern taste, so that the atmosphere. Oh, nice. That's fantastic. And what did you do? <laughs> I ate the food. <laughs> well done. And you appreciated it, right? I, I helped prepare it because they actually sort of bring it and you have to not really prepare it, but, you know, put it in the oven. It's already cooked, but put it, warm it up in the oven or boil some things in a pot or heat something in a microwave. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're good at that stuff. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Well, that, that sounds like a good week. So, yeah, happy birthday, happy anniversary. Thank you. Thank All you right. indeed. All right. Now, Alois, um, we should move on to the comment of the week. Yeah, so uh, the, the comment of the week, uh, we had a couple. So uh, on um, it was on our Chopper winning tournaments uh, mm. question, and uh, and Jasper said, I noticed quite a number of choppers don't chop with their forehand. Um, they always drive the ball onto the table or counter topspin, and he was wondering why. And um, and Dan or DK, one of our our uh, stalwarts on the site, said, Yeah, that's a response to the modernisation of table tennis, and I think that's a really good point. Um, you know, now nowadays. I think it's just not enough for a chopper at that highest level to just be defensive on both the backhand and forehand side and and we've seen this you know when we call it the the modern modern uh defender you know the one that uh takes advantage and tries to uh play more attacking uh shots with the forehand and you know then that puts the the um the attacker under a bit more pressure so uh yeah so pretty insightful there from uh from Dan. And I like well, how we still call it the modern chopper. I mean, how yeah. long since Juicy Hook made the final of the... Yeah, that was uh, 2000 and... Oh, was it 2005? Was it 15 years ago, maybe? Maybe even 2003? I don't know. Oh, was it, yeah. But 15, at least 15 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, lo- it was a long time. It was a long mm, time. Yeah, lo- yeah, it's like, yeah, the new, whenever someone calls something the new... Yeah, we, we need a better... What, what, I think we had a bit of a discussion. Did we come up with anything, like, productive? <laughs> well, well, we, we said we, the attacking defender, but that doesn't really make sense either, does it? No, it doesn't. No. So we haven't really got very far in the last month, have we, or six mm. weeks? Anyway, we'll we'll put it on the back burner for another six, and maybe something will pop up. <laughs> if Why you've not? got if you've got a suggestion, guys out there, just maybe you got a better idea of what that type of player is called. Yes, let us know. Well, they started calling serves just on oh no, a returns of serve, like the fruit, you know, the banana flick and the strawberry flick. Maybe we can use some other mm, fruit or food group. Maybe. Describe different styles of player. We could. That's a good idea. That's how yeah. creative I am. The, yeah, we could call them the apple defender. Yes. Don't know why, but anyhow. <laughs> no, anyway. <laughs> Um, have we got anything productive in this show? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that was a good comment. That was a good comment. Yeah. 
by by Dan and Jasper to to make the comment too. So yeah, good work, guys. Excellent, very good. Uh, but so in terms of productive, why don't we move on to like the tip of the week? Let's give our listeners something you know really to help their table tennis. Yes. So this week, I want you to just have a think about playing around with your your grip um, and also with your wrist position. So um, I think often when we have been playing for a while, we start to get a little bit tight and a little bit tense in the grip and um, and we almost um, strangle start to strangle the bat. Um, and it, it almost becomes a position that we fit, really fit and, uh, to play with. So this week, I want you to just firstly just examine how you hold the bat and think about firstly loosening that grip up a little bit so that you've got a bit more flexibility with what you're doing. And then secondly, once you have that flexibility in the fingers and the and that grip, then also think about the flexibility of your wrist and the options that you've got with your wrist when you're when you're playing your shots. So, um, you know, I think uh, was it last week or the week before we talked about the being creative and Waldner. Yeah, uh, might have been last week. It um, was. So, uh, you know, Waldner had had that creativity, but he developed it uh, a lot through the use of his wrist and, and his grip as well. So. Um, so yeah, so this week let's have a think about firstly what that what your grip looks like and feels like, and then secondly starting to just play around with your wrist position um, and uh, and seeing what you can do. Yeah. So is there a better um, sort of stroke to start with, like um, like or return a serve or backhand or forehand or just just in general, just think about it. I think maybe just go, go with your favourite stroke. Um, so if it's mm-hmm. your backhand topspin or your forehand topspin or, you know, your forehand counter hit or whatever it is or um, yeah, whatever stroke you feel uh, most comfortable with and then uh, just start to play around with the wrist, see what different angles you can produce with the wrist um, and uh, and then that will also affect the type of spin that you're putting on the ball too. So, uh, yeah, so mm. a couple of things that you can think about there. And so while you're experimenting with it, it doesn't have to be always like just moving the wrist. Maybe you can just like alter the angle of your wrist to, to direct the ball differently or should we be thinking about how the wrist's moving as well or all of those things? Yeah, all of those things. So I guess yeah, the wrist moves in a whole lot lot of different ways. So, you know, I call it like opening and closing the gate where you um, – it's hard to describe when on a, on a podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, opening and closing the gate or, you know, or then you're turning your wrist – over so like you're closing the angle of your racket or opening the angle of your racket um mm-hmm. as well so yeah so just play around with it uh see what you get what you get but i think you know the the base point is firstly loosen up your fingers loosen up your hand um to, to allow you to start to play around a bit as well gotcha makes sense all right good tip hopefully that helps you all out there listeners all right, so now it's time to get on to the questions. Are you ready, Alois? Have you got your brain working at top speed? Uh, yeah, it is at top speed, unfortunately, and that's all. <laughs> uh, well, that's I think it's going to be good enough. Okay, good. All right, so first up, um, Jasper was part of the comment of the week, and Jasper has a question for us. Jasper says, I'm thinking of experimenting with short pit rubbers, but how do you clean them? 
Yeah, good question. So short pimples don't, uh, don't need a lot of cleaning. Um, so uh, the, the... And I guess that's the same with long pimples? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so uh, and probably more the point with the long pimples. Yeah, so with the short pimples, really, you just need to almost dust them off or, um, you know, you can give you can give them a wipe similar to what you do with your inverted rubber, you know, just wipe them over with um, a damp uh, cloth. Um, you can do the same with the um, short pimples. Sometimes the, the pimple will have some little grooves within the pimple. So, you know, I guess it's a matter of just making sure that that, uh, that pattern of the groove is still there, which will help to... Um, with with the grip, so you can still get get some grip on the short pimple. Um, yeah, so just wipe it over, but you don't need to be so um, uh, specific or so uh, I've forgotten what the word is, but um, so regular with the with the cleaning. Yeah, uh, with and I guess like if you get dust on a normal rubber because it's kind of flat and grippy. The dust kind of sticks there on the top, but in the short pimples, there's less surface rubber, less surface area where you're hitting the ball, so it's not going to get as dusty anyway, or the dust going to fall right. down in between the pimples and not really affect your stroke. Yeah, that's right, and you're not really relying on that on that um, that friction and that grip as much as you are with an inverted rubber. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Good question. I, I remember. I remember years and years ago, and this is I'm talking early 80s they used to clean or they used to put chalk on their short pimple rubbers they wow rub chalk on it yeah no, don't never really worked out why but they did interesting hmm. there you go historical <laughs> fact yeah right yeah. yeah we may may add it to perhaps <laughs> maybe I, I don't think that one's going to be in the calendar but you never know you never know that's right <laughs> All right. Thanks, uh, Jasper. Next up is one from Michael. He says, when I play at home, I sometimes get a little tired. Is there such a thing as timeouts? And if there is, how does it work? Yeah, definitely. If you're at home, just go and sit on the couch for as long as you want because no one's <laughs> going to move you. No, but um, officially, though, Michael, in, um, in matches, both players get... Uh, one timeout per match, and that timeout can go for up to one minute. So, uh, if uh, Jeff and I are playing a match, so Jeff can call his timeout at, at any stage during the match, um, and he has up to a minute uh, during that timeout. Now, if Jeff's called the timeout, if after 20 seconds he feels like he's had enough, he can, he can come back to the table and then I have to also come back to the table and play uh, because it's Jeff's timeout. Um, on the other hand, if it's my timeout, I can then uh, dictate how much time uh, out, of, out of that one minute or up to the one minute that, uh, that I use for the timeout. So it, it is quite a strategic thing uh, to call the timeout. And, and often it isn't about tiredness. Often it can be... Uh, a bit of a mental break and or, you know, just to try to break the rhythm of the match. You know, you might have lost quite a few points in a row. You might be, you know, on the brink of defeat. You want to uh, 
have a little bit more time to think about things, maybe give your opponent a bit more time to think about things as well. You know, they might be on the verge of winning. Um, give them a bit more time to uh, to to ponder that and uh, perhaps tighten up. So, yeah, so it can be quite str- strategic as well, Interesting, Michael. yeah, because one minute is not really going to give you lots of energy back, is it? So using no. that strategic more... A lot more sense. And I guess the professional players have their coaches, and so they're allowed to speak to their coach during this time out, I'm assuming? Yeah, that's right. Um, so, the, yeah, in a in a match, so the, either the coach or the player can call that timeout, but you're only allowed the one, uh, the one timeout for the player. And uh, you can call it at any time. At, in, well, yeah, in between points, not halfway through a point. Not like, halfway through a point. Not no, when you're like, way if, back at the back of the court <laughs> lobbing. <laughs> I'm out. That's right, exactly. That'd be good if you could just use one of them, you know, just once during the match. Yeah, just a just a point timeout. Like, yeah. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> you know, the other thing, you know, that might be worth trying, probably not, but is, you know, you do you want ready to start level, timeout. Yeah, yeah, why not? I have seen that done in jest before. But, <laughs> have uh, you? Yes. Um, yes. Would, so. would really be the only way to use it in jest, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. It would. Um, <laughs> what a good and, term, in jest. <laughs> yes. So sometimes, sometimes you know, people even use it uh, because they want more than the one-minute break in between games. You know, like, so the one minute might not be enough and something might have even gone wrong during the one minute uh, in between games. And so they call uh-huh. a timeout straight away. So, yeah. Yep. Can be quite strategic. Okay. Okay. But, yeah, so, Michael, that's your answer. You are allowed a timeout. Um, that's uh, in official tournaments. So, yeah, at home, though, you want to go and sit on the couch, I'm giving you permission. It's home rules. Home rules, that's right. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Um, very good. All right. Okay, so, <laughs> sorry, my uh, wife's just on the phone. Okay. <laughs> well, she's probably... Uh, <laughs> ordering another meal for you like you know uh... probably not <laughs> more, more about actually doing some work oh really she does work it's one of you yeah she does some real work <laughs> oh, dear. all right next up is a question from jason who says my friend is coming over tomorrow to learn how to play table tennis and jason says even though i'm highly experienced um I have no clue on how to teach a complete beginner. Do you have any advice? Yeah, um, good one, Jason. I think um, the best the best advice I could give you is to just follow the basic um, skills and and things that we have on the on the website on pingskills.com. So if you go to uh, go there and go to the uh, tutorial section. Um, and go to the strokes and techniques se- section to start off with. In there, um, there's the basic strokes. And I think if you just follow those very simple and basic principles to start off with, um, that's probably the best way to, to, to start. And I guess that's ha- what, how and why we website is, you know, for us to act as that coach uh, for the beginner at the start. So you can you can utilise what we have and uh, and transfer that to people that you're helping um and i think i guess the other 
the other um, interesting area of the site for you would be the building blocks of table tennis, which is also in the tutorial section. And in the building blocks of table tennis, it, uh, we go through just a basic plan of how to build your your um, skill levels. You know, from the from the basic strokes to linking strokes to randomizing strokes, and then you know focusing on the serve and return match drills etc so i don't think you'll get through all of that with your friend uh, in the next couple of days but, but if, uh, <laughs> no. if you start with some basic strokes i think that's probably a good way to a good way to go yeah and i always wonder about this alice like when someone's learning what's sort of a good balance between like training um with someone telling you all the time oh no just a little bit higher a little bit more forward like a lot of detailed instruction as opposed to just you know, learning and playing and experimenting. How do you get that kind of balance right? Yeah, I think I think that's a really good one, Jeff. Um, there's a lot of research out there about the benefits of just playing around or just playing. Um, so it's it's important that uh, you allow that time as well so that you know every minute or every second isn't a detailed um skill or drill um players especially uh, one not only young players but but all players learn a lot by just that um the 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 play uh, rather than the you know the drilling yeah but yeah. it's got to be that balance doesn't it because on the other side if you're just doing the playing all the time and you don't realize you know how to play a shot correctly you might take a lot longer to develop yeah yeah maybe but, but yeah i think you know that yeah there needs to be that balance when you started jeff i mean what how did you start uh, your table tennis yeah i just started playing with friends at school so there was no one telling you what to do or how to do it and you just kind of tried to emulate whoever was the best at, at it <laughs> yeah 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 and I think that's that's uh, really key um, that you know that you you have that time to just play around, get the feel for what's you know what the ball does, what you're doing, um, yeah. And you can really develop a, a whole heap of skills um, in that time as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, I just I just yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I feel sometimes you people who are coaching or or want to teach someone sometimes try and you know, every second try and say, no, do this, do this, do that. And maybe it'd be better just to not say so much sometimes. Yeah. And and I think um, what we try to do with our ping skills um, uh, tutorials is to try to keep it as simple as possible too. So, you mm. know, um, so have, have just a few simple instructions that might help rather than, um, you know, lots and lots of detail because um yeah once you start getting into lots and lots of detail i think you just uh start to almost have a brain freeze um and, for and forget about hitting the ball okay well that is very interesting because it leads on nicely to our next question from z z and family who says can you please teach me how to improve my forehand topspin i'm really tired of missing my shots yeah good 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 important stroke to learn too um z um so the the there's some really simple um things that we go through with the forehand topspin so we talk about um 
your leg position first. So, you know, having a nice balanced stance. Then the the key elements of the forehand topspin are starting um, a little bit lower than you would with a, with a, um, with a counter hit stroke. So, you know, talking about even at um, knee level. Then the second important element is the the brushing contact. So that's where you start. You're going to generate the spin on the ball, and then finishing nice and high above uh, the level of your eyes. So those three elements. You know, once you start to uh, implement that into uh, your stroke, then you'll start to find that that um, that stroke will start to um, develop start to you'll you start to find a way to put that ball on the table a little bit better with the with the top spin yeah and what a fun stroke to play when you finally get it get it right yeah and of course we've got we've got the tutorial on the site um, on pingskills.com um, on the forehand top spin against block that's probably a good place to start um, have a look at that video because because um, you'll get a better picture of what that stroke should look like as well and then uh i guess the other thing we we talk about sometimes is is just that feedback you need for yourself so mm. you can do it in front of a mirror um you know just do the the, the shadow swing in front of a mirror just so you you see what that stroke what your stroke looks like and then try to compare it with what we're showing you um on the forehand topspin um, tutorial and yeah see whether that looks the same and then and then of course you can also video yourself um, hitting the ball, and that's probably a, an even better way of doing it. Yeah, and we're just lucky today. I mean, you can just get out a phone, hit record, and and take a look. It's really easy to do. Yeah, it it, it is. Isn't it? I mean, not that I'm that old, but um, <laughs> I never had a uh, a training session videoed of mine. Never, I've never seen myself training. Um, yeah, I've never. And, and even yeah. even matches, there's only like you know, there's only a handful of matches that I've uh, seen myself play. You know, nowadays it it is it we're in a really good um, spot where you can get a lot of feedback for yourself. So really try to utilize that that as much as you can. You know, watch uh, watch yourself playing because uh, that can give you some really good insights into what uh, your your game really looks like. Yeah, exactly. Technology has changed the world. That is for sure. That is for sure. All right, Alois. Well, I think that is all of the questions. Except for the one on improving your spinny topspin, but yeah. Is there one on improving your spinny topspin? <laughs> How did I miss that one? <laughs> I don't know, Jeff. How did you miss that one? Ah, Let's talk about how to improve your spinny top spin. Because <laughs> this oh, is a really good question from Thomas. See, that, happen, that happens when, when you get to 70. <laughs> oh, dear. So Thomas just found out a major reason for his, what he calls, lousy play. He was crowding the table during a rally. So no wonder he couldn't hit the top spin. He moved back and his game improved. Um, but he reckons it's still, you know, got room for improvement. So do you have any advice about how to improve your spinny top spin? Yeah. So <laughs> a couple of things there. Um, yeah, by moving back a- away from the table, you are giving yourself a little bit more time. Um, 
I think Thomas also just talked about, you know, just loosening uh, the grip as well. Um, okay, so he holds the bat kind of loosely and the index yeah. finger not parallel with the base, but at more of an angle? Yeah. So so if you're, if the your index finger comes up, that really tightens your wrist. So um, it's really important that that index, is relaxed or in a real in a natural position um what what i like to do is if you're if you're holding your racket take the racket out of your hand and and keep your fingers in the position they are and then just see if if your index finger is, is in a really um relaxed natural position and but and that's where it needs to be as soon as you you start to move that uh, index finger up the racket your wrist tightens up so it's just functional of uh, with with what happens in your in um, in your hand and in your wrist so that's uh, really important without the use of the wrist then it's really difficult to to generate a lot of top spin on the ball um, mm -hmm. because you're relying on you're relying on just your arm movement you, you're going to get a lot more brush um, when you starting to relax that wrist and utilize the wrist a little bit more um then then the next thing is just about so once that's relaxed then you think also thinking about the tension in your arm and the tension in your shoulder so if you can just focus on then how relaxed the whole arm is and then especially that shoulder joint as you start to move up then you're going to be able to start to to um swing much more freely through the stroke um, and that then allows the bat to move faster and that then allows you to contact the ball faster generate more um, more speed with your racket more spin on the ball so um, yeah yeah, so that, yeah. So it's that's interesting, isn't it because it thomas talks about you know i want it to be more of a weapon but it's clear i'm just playing it safe and just mainly aiming it where to go but once you do loosen up and you get that speed coming through, you are going to get that spin, which is going to give you more dip, which is in going to give you more control in a way. So you're going to yeah. be able to swing faster, but still be more consistent if if you can put it all together. Yeah, that's right. And initially, I think you know um, when you let go of that control because there's um, more relaxation in your hand, you actually feel you, well you feel like you're, you're losing control and as soon as a ball goes off the table what you tend to do is you go back and you tighten up and want to get that control back in your hand and your arm and your shoulder um, in reality as Jeff said you're actually losing control because you're losing the amount of topspin on the ball. And you're also losing the effectiveness of the stroke because if your arm, your fingers, your hand is tight, then your arm can't move through as fast. You can't generate as much speed. You can't generate um, enough um, uh, spin on the ball. So if that's what you're aiming for, then you have to start to just think about letting go of that control of your arm, your wrist, your fingers, and just allow the, the arm to swing through freely. Um, yeah. yeah. It's not, 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 not an easy thing to do. No, um, especially if you're worried about missing and stuff. So you've got to kind of put that out of your mind, don't you, and just trust yourself and trust your stroke. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's that's the value of setting up some training sessions or some you know practice time. Yeah, um, because if you if you're only playing matches, you know you go to the hall and you you don't want to lose. So you know as soon as you let go of that control and you hit a few balls off the end of the table, you you change back and you revert back to um, just what you what you know. Um, rather than trying to expand that ability and develop the skill level. Yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, indeed. Well, that's a very good question. I'm glad I put that one in the show. Yeah, good, good, <laughs> excellent. Good work. Yeah. So thanks, Thomas. Hopefully that helps you, and hopefully that helps the others that were listening as well. All right, so that means, Alois, now it is time for OMG Facts. It is. Okay. All right. I'm sit back. I've got my pen and paper ready. <laughs> Hit me with the OMG facts yeah. for this week. All right. Almost yep. three-fourths of all the fresh water in the world is in Canada. What? Yeah. Almost they are Great Lakes. <laughs> they are. Um, really? three, three quarters. Three quarters. Almost three quarters. Wow. Um, here's another one. Hang on. Real... He's in Canada, yeah. Wow. Fresh water. I've got to have a look at the map of the world now. <laughs> that's, yeah. that, that's a good OMG fact, if it is a fact. But that, that is an <laughs> OMG fact I like. It do- makes you go OMG, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. All you Canadians out there, I hope you're getting out into the Great Lakes. <laughs> Enjoying get- all that fresh water. Yeah, although it's getting a bit cold now up there, I believe. Oh, yeah, indeed. Yep. Um, The index finger of the Statue of Liberty is eight feet long. Then it's not a finger. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Yes, why isn't your nose a foot long? Hmm, What? Why isn't your nose 12 inches long? Because then it would be a foot. Uh, that that you should have saved that for next week, Jeff. Um, <laughs> eight feet. That's. Oh. Here's one. The skin <laughs> that peels off after sunburn is called blype. B l y p e. There's well, a name for it. Next time I'm playing Scrabble, I'll remember that. <laughs> and bring out the word blype. Blype. B l y p e. Really? Can I can I consult the dictionary? Hang on. Yes. L Y P E. Blipe. Um. Okay. Merriam-Webster. Uh, Not there. Uh, yeah, yeah. A, a thin skin or membrane, especially a small piece of skin. Mm. Yeah. Nothing about yeah. sunburn. Uh, no, not in not in dictionary.com. I'll just Can check. Can you get a proper dictionary? I mean, um, OMG Facts has it. Can you get I'm just a proper checking, dictionary? I'm just checking Merriam Webster. 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 Um, um, <laughs> uh, 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 I, I just don't see the word sunburn here. Get a, get a proper dictionary. A piece of shred of skin. A piece or shred of skin. Mm. Well, maybe it can be both, and that just happens to be, you know, when it peels off after sunburn, it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, here's one. 
Tattoo colouring, also known as acrylinitrile butadiene styrene. What is it? Sorry. <laughs> acrylinitrile butadiene styrene. Tattoo colouring is yes. also what Legos are made out of. The colouring in Lego or the actual Lego? It just says is also what Lego is made out of. You need some, Can you spell that word for me? A C R Y L O N I T R I L E. And then butadiene, B U T A D I E N E, and then styrene. Acrylonitrile. <laughs> Right, it's a compound. It's an organic compound with a formula CH2CHCN. Colour. It is a colourless volatile liquid. Well, how can it be tattoo colouring if it's colourless? Where are you getting these information from? <laughs> Seriously. Acrylonitrile. Don't believe everything you read, okay? <laughs> My goodness. Maybe maybe it's those other two words that add the colour. <laughs> All right. And last one for yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. The average computer user spends more time touching their computer keyboard than their spouse or partner. <laughs> well, especially when you've got to type acrylonitrile. <laughs> exactly. And I, didn't even, and I didn't even get to those other two words. <laughs> exactly. Anti-disestablishmentarianism. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh. Well, that's I'd like like your OMG facts again, Jeff. There, it's, it's good, interesting ones. I, I like the three quarters of fresh waters almost oh. in Canada. Amazing. That is amazing. Never, and I've never been to Canada. So Haven't you? Oh, I'm gonna have to. Gonna have to go. Yeah, one day when when we're allowed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who knows when that is? Uh, yeah, but you know we can dream. We can dream. Yeah. All right. Well, that's a wrap, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Dream on, and of course, thank you, Alloys. Thank you, Jeffrey. And I'm um, just having a look at Canada. There's a lot of blue. Yeah. Beautiful. Make a trip yeah. when you next. Yeah, I'll have to to make sure I've learned to swim. (laughs) Indeed. Thanks, everyone. Catch you next time. Bye.